Okay, hi, this is Barb Harvey, a coach with Parent Teachers and Advocates. I am doing a wonderful interview with two doulas. One is Rebecca Gay, who is from Atlanta, Georgia, and the other one is Trizel. What's your last name, Trizel? Morgan. Trizel Morgan from Albany, New York. Um, there's a lot of people who have no idea what a do who a doula is, what a doula does, and all those kinds of things. So I've been talking to these two ladies, and I sent them each ten questions that I want to understand about doulas. So let's start off with what's the difference between a doula and a midwife? So if you'll each answer that question, let's start with you, Rebecca, and just tell me what what that is to you, and then Trudell, you can kick in and and share what you think the differences are. So that okay, uh, go ahead. Okay, so um, the the word doula actually comes from the Greeks. It's a Greek word, and the literal translation is slave to the mother. Um, back many, 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 many years ago um, when the Greeks had slaves and, and things like that, um, they would have uh, women who would accompany their, um, I guess their slave owner really, and they would accompany them in labor before the midwife would ever even get to them. And they would um, take care of them all through labor and do all of the non-medical things. Midwives actually are in charge of the medical care of the mother and the baby. They do um, things like take blood pressure. They do internal exams. They deliver the baby. Doulas do non-medical tasks. They are emotional support, informational support, um, help the mom with position changes, um, do comfort measures. We are really the doula to the entire family, including the father. Um, we see to the entire family's emotional well-being with our focus being on the laboring woman. Um, and we are with them throughout labor, um, whereas midwives will come, they'll maybe check the cervix, check, check the mom, the baby's heart tones, and then they leave the room. The doula stays with the mom and offers continuous support as opposed to coming and going, coming and going, coming and going. Got you. Trizel, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I would say she hit that, that right on the, on the head. Like, she spoke about the history, which is true. Like, um, doulas are, and we're more than just, you know, like, a lot of, like, as far as, like, midwives are concerned, like, or just um, medical staff in general, you know, like, it's a come and go kind of thing, where it's like, when you're this amount of weeks, you go see your midwife, but as far as your doula is concerned, when you're pregnant, you have that continuous support, so it may not be support as far as face-to-face, -face, but you're, you can text your doula based off of whatever their business hours is, and so forth and so on, and in labor, we're there, like Rebecca said, for continuous support, and um, during the postpartum stage as well, because there are postpartum doulas, there are doulas who do um, birth and who are um, both 
trained at birth and um, postpartum doulas. And postpartum, a lot of people confuse postpartum with postpartum depression. Post depression is postpartum depression is what happened during the postpartum stage, and the postpartum stage is from birth to about three months. So during that time, a um, birthing family can choose to have a postpartum doula with them after the birth. So that's what I wanted to add. And I'd like to also add something as well. Um, From the time that a family hires a doula, like Trizel said, they have that doula's support. Many times when a family goes and receives prenatal care, they actually leave the office with more questions than are answered. Yeah. Unfortunately, in um, most prenatal practices, there's a very finite amount of time that the client has with her care provider, um, and the care provider is rushing into the next room to take care of the next patient. Uh-huh. So when the, when the client leaves, they have more questions. Because a doula's entire job, we are, you know, birth professionals, we're able to offer them information and support and answer questions that perhaps their care provider wasn't mm-hmm. able to stay around and answer. Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing is that, and, and actually you answered a question that I was going to ask ahead of time, Rebecca, and I appreciate that. I was going to ask, when is the best time to hire a doula? And it sounds to me like the best time to consider hiring a doula is right when you find out you're pregnant, because that's the person that you're going to be able to go to with questions and help and support and, and those kind of things from uh, conception through three months of age is what I'm hearing. Is that correct? So, that, well, yes. I would say that most people you start looking for a doula when they get pregnant, and they may not follow through with the hiring process until their second trimester just because, you know, the risk of miscarriage is kind of great prior to the second trimester. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Most doulas who have experience, their calendars fill up, you know, way in advance. I've been a doula since 2003. My calendar fills up nine months in advance. I usually have a full calendar all year around. So especially repeat clients and things like that, they definitely reach out much sooner um, clients who choose to wait to the very last minute may not be able to hire a more experienced doula because perhaps her calendar is filled up. We can't just take an unlimited number of clients. Most of us put a cap on how many clients we take each month so that we can give and devote enough time to all of our clients. Um, and if they wait too long, they may end up you know, narrowing their field of potential doulas. I get you. Correct. Yeah, and then they may end up with a less experienced doula who, you know, perhaps they wish they had had a different doula, but they're not able to get that doula. I get that. So, Tridell, um, what do you think is the most, the three most important reasons a woman would hire or a family would hire a doula? Yeah, I was just going to say because there are people who do give birth who do not um, identify as women. So I would say uh, I don't know how other doulas um, 
go through with their practice, but I support all birthing people. So I'll just I'll just say that. But I feel like the um the most important reason why people would want to hire a doula is so that they can have that continuous support like we we spoke about in the beginning. Because there's only so much time your provider can spend with you, you know. And um I feel like that's like the the number one thing. The second thing would be um for educational support cuz yeah, sometimes like I like most of the women that I, the birthing people that I have spoken to, they have gone through childbirth or they have people in their family who've obviously gone through childbirth, and people know what most people know like the 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 surface of what goes on during childbirth, you know, but not many people know you know to change positions and so forth and so on. So and that educational support is huge for a lot of people, and I think that's the num the second reason the second most important reason why people choose a doula and the third would definitely be to have that person there you know i i normally tell people that a doula is kind of like the bridesmaid for birth because you whatever it is that you need that's not medical that person is there for you and that person is there to answer your questions and i, I would say that i've like with most of my clients, we've built kind of a friendship where it's not just business, you know, like this is, in my opinion, this is hard service. So to have someone who is not necessarily invested in your in your birth outcome emotionally, but like that person who is there, who's going to be to you like the way your friend would be to you, I think it's what, those are like the important parts. Got you. Uh or do you have anything different, Rebecca? Or are those pretty much? Yeah. Well, well, I I would like to I would like to add to that actually. Um, my the very first reason why I believe all families should have a doula number one is because birth has become a business for care providers for hospitals in particular. Um, and because of that, there are hospital guidelines and hospital protocols. Um, that the birthing family may feel that they are that they have to do certain things when in reality they actually have other options. The thing that I tell all of my families every single time we meet is if you do not know what your options are, you do yeah. not have any options. Yep. That is the first thing I tell them. It is the most important thing because, um, unfortunately, in hospitalized birth settings, which is the way most women give birth, they are subject to manipulation and coercion, and they're made to do things that they really do not want to do, and they agree to it simply because they don't know there's another way. Right. The, I feel that our biggest role is providing families with other options, um, there's, you know, we all know the saying, there's many ways to skin a cat. I don't like that saying, but it definitely <laughs> applies. Uh, hopefully nobody's out there skinning cats, but it, it applies in this case. You know, there's more than one way to induce a woman, a woman or a, a human being rather. Um, you know, they don't know that some of the uh, methods of induction aren't even approved by the FDA. Wow. And they're, they are not evidence-based. However, because we are in a tort 
driven society where everybody is so litigious and they file lawsuits and sue each other, doctors now practice defensively. Um, and also midwives, you know, they have to be concerned about lawsuits. Um, and so they are always worrying more about covering their butt rather than truthfully what is in the best interest of the family. And um, women have rights. There's a whole birthing women's bill of rights. Yep. And if women don't know what their rights are, they are not able to advocate for themselves. Um, one common misconception about doulas is that we are advocates. We are not advocates for the mothers. What we do is we empower the family mm -hmm. to advocate for themselves. And that is one of our greatest jobs is letting women come into their own strength and empowerment and discover that they have a voice and that they deserve and should be heard. And that alone changes the outcome of many women's births. Yep, I agree. So does the medical community in general, speaking of doctors and midwives, um, do they like having you available to the patient and knowing that you're going to be there? Or is there still some stigma about doulas being in hospital settings? Um, can I start with that one? This is Rebecca. Sure. Sure. Okay. So, you know, I, in, Atlanta, in the Atlanta area, we have a few hospitals um, that are very doula friendly. The, it very much depends on the practice. The more interventive a practice is, the less enthusiastic they are about having a doula present. And the reason for that is it is much easier for a highly interventive practitioner to um, get, a, get a patient to agree to their to intervention if they have no idea that there are other options. Right. And it makes, it, from their standpoint, it makes the birth run much smoother. There's no arguing. They don't have to consult with the woman. Um, unfortunately, in maternal care nowadays, um, women have virtually no say whatsoever what happens with their body. Although they have a legal right to consent, and they are mm -hmm. supposed to consent to everything, women in maternal care are never asked for permission to do anything. Doctors don't say, may we check your cervix? May we use forceps on your baby? May we give you Pitocin? They walk in and they say, this is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. A woman who doesn't know any better agrees to absolutely everything. When there's a doula present, the woman wants to consider their options and decide based on, you know, what's going on with their body. I'm not talking about any emergency situations. I'm just okay, talking yeah. about in a traditional. In obviously, in, yeah, in, in emergency situations, we do immediately what's best for mother and baby. But in general, birth is not an emergency situation. It's a family event. It's not a medical situation. It is just a family event. We've turned it into medical situation. Um, in the less interventive hospitals for the less interventive uh, practitioners, they welcome doulas because it actually lowers their cesarean rates. Um, their statistics are far better 
for um, that for outcomes, you know, families being happier, being more pleased with their outcome, and, and things like that. Um, it really depends on the practitioner. In some of our hospitals, we have to sign doula agreements when we walk in the door of the hospital that basically states that if we upset the staff, they can throw us out of the hospital. Um, That is true. At Northside Hospital and at Piedmont in Atlanta, we are required to sign consents, and the parents also sign a consent agreeing that the hospital can throw their doula out. Now, here is the other side of that coin, because everything that glistens is not gold. Unfortunately, there are some doulas and this is not the majority, but there are very few doulas who probably wish to be medical professionals. And in hospital settings, they have been known to push with moms on toilets and not call nursing staff and things like that. When you have a doula who is delivering tons of babies, that puts the hospital at greater risk. The so one sense. thing I would say to all of your listeners and potential pregnant families out there would be make sure that you're hiring a doula who gets along well with the medical community and who doesn't despise doctors and doesn't despise, you know, the hospitals that they're practicing in. It's very important to have a good relationship. You know, we're supposed to be a team. We are part of the team. We're not um, in any way trying to, well, at least in my practice, I'm not trying to show the doctor up or change the doctor's mind or force the the client to do things that, um, you know, it would endanger herself or her child or anything like that, not by any stretch of the imagination. But there are doulas out there who do have a personal agenda and who are very anti, um, you know, medical, anti-anything medical. I I hope I answered your question. I think I did. I think you did. Trizel, do you have anything to add? Um, what I do have to add is the fact that um, just off of, just piggybacking off of Re- what Rebecca said, um, most most times doulas are hired prior to the day of the actual birth, right, the actual birthday. So, like, I know for me, and I'm pretty sure it's the same way with Rebecca, we go over you know, like interventions. We go over these things with our clients prior to the day of. So it's not like, oh, the doctor's cutting an episiotomy, and then it's like, oh, do you know what an episiotomy is? You know what I mean? Like, I, I know for I know for me in general, like those are the things that I go over with my clients. Like, like these are your risks, this, these are your benefits, and these are the possibilities of what could happen. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not where I'm giving them medical advice, you know. Like, it's just, like we said before, giving them, um, giving them, letting them know, like, what is going, what could happen, you know. And um, the other thing that I was going to say is um, Rebecca spoke about, like, ex- experienced doulas and inexperienced doulas. And I think that's very important because even um, there are also doulas who are experienced who are against medical staff. And I feel like it really is about you 
getting to know what kind of person that you want to support you because every single one of us have a person, you know, like every single one of us mesh well with a person. That person may be experienced or inexperienced, but we mesh well with them because that person is our person. Like they, we vibe with them. And I think that's a very important thing for your listeners to know that if you interview one doula and that person is not up to that person, like that person, you're not person doesn't vibe well. It's okay for you to interview other doulas and for you to for you to interview other doulas and for you to um get to find someone who is on the same level at, that you are, who understands what you want and understands like who you are as a person. So I think I'm that's one of the say, most important things. So Sorry, I'm hearing you say that's all right. Um, is that um, a doula it should be somebody that clicks with you and your family, somebody that you yes. not just get along with, but that is somebody that almost like a, another family member in the room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's 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 really important that you find a doula, a doula that you vibe with. Like your think about it this way: your doula is like your bridesmaid. Okay, you don't want your bridesmaid on the day of your wedding to have, like, a meltdown and is, like, screaming at the priest or whoever is marrying you. <laughs> you know, like, think about it that way. Like, that's not what you want. Right, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm saying, like, that's that's not what you want. So you got to make sure that that person understands, like, like, you understand that person, that person understands you. Like, right. yeah. You both have you. to be on the same page and you need mm-hmm. to share you have to have a mutual birth philosophy. You mm-hmm. don't want someone to come in the room who doesn't even believe the same things you believe about birth and also someone who respects your team of care providers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell my clients, when you meet all of your potential doulas, you need to picture yourself naked in the most vulnerable position of your life. Mm-hmm. And you need to ask yourself, would I mind this person being in the room with me? Because yeah. giving birth is the most vulnerable, private, is. Um, miraculous moment you will ever share with your partner, ever. Mm-hmm. And the person that you choose to have join you in that moment, not only do they bear witness to your moment with your partner where you become a family, um, they also are going to see you at your most vulnerable and mm-hmm. most likely naked, vomiting, bleeding. I mean, everything that goes on during labor, you have to know that that person is, um, you know, you want everybody in the boat rowing with you, not drilling ho- holes in the boat. Yeah. So you want yeah. to make sure everybody is indeed on your team. Mm-hmm. Got you. Agreed. Agreed. You both are talking about a lot about education and educating your clients. Do you have... Uh, pre-birth classes that you do? And if you do, what are those like? So I, this is Rebecca, um, I actually offer for free. I'm a childbirth educator as well. So all of my doula clients take my childbirth education class um, as part of my doula services. Um, And that class includes the anatomy of birth. It includes, you know, what to expect emotionally and physically. I do a lot of comfort measures. Um, We go over hospital protocols. We go over birth options. 
it goes all the way through postpartum. We talk about delayed cord clamping, placenta encapsulation, um, what procedures they're going to do on your baby immediately postpartum. We learn about birth plans and how to create one. They all get a template for a birth plan, hospital packing list. Um, But I actually do have organized classes, and my clients are welcome to choose a date and they, they all attend my childbirth classes, and it is, it is part of my fee. Okay. Trudell, how about you? What kind of um, education do you so, give to your clients? Yeah, so um, Rebecca is a bit more experienced than I am, but I do do classes with my, with my clients, and most times they are one-on-one, or I send them a video. So um, most recently, the client that I had, we... Um, we kind of discuss things in person where we go pretty much what Rebecca said about, you know, like what happens during pregnancy, what happens during um, labor and postpartum. Because I think these are like super important things that just families need to know in general. And it's not necessarily me going into detail as far as, well, um, this is exactly where your baby is. And, you know, like, it's nothing like I don't like I don't teach anything medical because I'm not a medical professional, but I do my best to um, to educate them about what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, and um, and not necessarily how it's going to happen because we don't really know how it's going to happen. Only the baby knows that. So um, just pretty much just like talking to them about like the birthing experience and creating a birth line, like Rebecca said, and so forth and so on. Got you. Um, Rebecca, I heard you say something that I don't know what it is, and I'd like you to explain it. What is placenta encapsulation? I'm so glad you asked. Um, Placenta encapsulation is one of my new favorite um, things that I can offer families. Um, Other than the wombat, Human beings are the only other mammal in creation that does not yeah. consume their placenta after birth. Oh, good um, in the an- I didn't know that. <laughs> that is true. Other than the wombat, there is one other mammal. It's the wombat. Um, yeah. However, in the animal kingdom, um, other mammals don't suffer postpartum depression. They don't have milk supply issues. Um, if a cat, for instance, was to bleed for six weeks after they gave birth, they would become uh, food for a predator. Um, they bleed, we bleed a lot longer than other mammals after birth. Um, we also have bonding issues. Um, some women or some families have bonding issues mm-hmm. with, their, with their offspring. Um, placenta encapsulation, there are two methods. There's the raw method, which is the method that I use for my clients, and then there's um, a steamed method where they steam the placenta first. Um, mm-hmm. basically they both do the same thing except for one, they steam the placenta prior to processing it. Um, but basically the placenta is dissected into strips. It is dehydrated in a professional dehydrator. The mm-hmm. dehydrated strips look a lot like beef jerky, like what you would buy if you're taking a road trip. Um, the, the, the dehydrated strips are then ground into a very fine powder um, I have a professional, you know, pill machine that turns it into pills. Um, then it's turned into little gel cap pills. They're put in little capsules, and they are given to the client. 
um, the placenta itself is a filter. And throughout the pregnancy, from the time the woman gets pregnant, it filters the mom's blood. Um, as it's filtering the blood, it's filtering all of those amazing pregnancy hormones like estrogen, prolactin, oxytocin. Um, additionally, the placenta is loaded with stem cells. When a woman gets, gives birth, um, their estrogen supply is cut off. They are no longer getting big doses of estrogen and oxytocin and prolactin. Um, that's all cut off. Lack of estrogen is one of the reasons why women suffer postpartum depression. Um, additionally, women lose a lot of blood, uh, a fair amount of blood, I should say, while they're giving birth. And the placenta, of course, has iron because it is a, it's, a, it's an organ, basically. Um, uh-huh. So when the woman consumes, they typically take one pill every day, and it gives them a continuous small dose of their own body, their, own, their body's own hormones and minerals and nutrients, and it gives, it offers them basically hormonal support. Um, I'm not a statistician, although um, UNLV did an, an extensive study on placenta encapsulation, but I will tell you that um, for my clients, I, of course, I pull them all. Um, who do the placenta encapsulation, and across the board, the one thing all of them say is they get a tremendous amount of energy. Um, I get a lot of women who say that it helps them with milk supply. Um, Babies go through growth spurts, and when women are trying to get their supply up, their placenta pills do, you know, it helps a lot with milk supply. Um, Additionally, it helps with bonding. For women who have cesareans, it helps a lot with recovery because there's so many stem cells in the placenta. Um, But it has become very popular. I would say probably 98% of my clients do encapsulate their placenta. Um, And then also people who are not my doula clients, I I get a fair amount of just regular people who call for the service as well. Oh, so even if you're not their doula, they want you to come in and and encapsulate their placenta. Oh, absolutely. I get I get a lot of calls for placenta encapsulation. It's, a lot of women want that service. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so what do you know about placenta encapsulation, and how have you have you found it work for your clients? Well, I do not offer placenta encapsulation. I, all I know about it is that I tried it for myself, and I think it's amazing. After I had my daughter, my um, my midwife, part of her fee, well, part of the fee was for me to get my placenta encapsulated, and I did. And I, I feel like I only have one child, so, like, I can't say, oh, well, I didn't encapsulate one placenta, and now I did it, and I know the difference. I just know that I felt amazing, like, after I had my daughter, I felt like I was floating on cloud nine and, like, <laughs> everything was great in the world. I'm so serious. Like, I didn't feel like a lot of a lot of um, birthing people that I speak to, they say, like, after they give birth, then they feel, like, droggy and tired. And I didn't feel like that because I, I, I think I still have, like, four pills in my fridge, to be honest, because I, I tried – I wanted to save some for – if I needed it, but um, I felt really good. Like, 
the pills weren't she, hard to die to um to take like regular pills are. Like it was just drinking with water or orange juice and I felt amazing. I had oversupply of milk, so much so that I donated. Wow. She's right. A lot of women actually do report feeling euphoric. Um, I recently had a woman who was not my client. Um, she was giving birth to her third baby with her two previous pregnancies. She suffered from postpartum depression and had to be medicated shortly after her babies were born. And she called me and she said, you know, I don't know if this is going to work for me, but I'm willing to try anything. I just want to try uh-huh. it. I heard from her about five days after I returned her capsules to her. My turnaround time is about 48 hours. Uh-huh. So it could be anywhere from 24 to 48 hours where they get their pills back and, you know, their yeah. placenta back in pill form. Uh-huh. And um, five days after she got them back, she called me and she's like, I cannot believe this. She said, this is the first time I've ever had a baby and I was okay. And she's mm-hmm. just said that she was in love with her baby. She's happy. She, she, said, um, she said, I haven't cried not one time. Wow. And, you know, listen, giving birth is a very emotional thing, and it, it's mm-hmm. okay to cry after your baby's born. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you shouldn't cry. I'm just saying that this particular woman spent her postpartum period with her other two babies in a very deep, dark depression. And with this one, she actually, the word she used was euphoric. She said, Rebecca, I'm euphoric. And I, I thought, felt the exact same goodness. way. Yeah. I felt the exact same way. I love that. Okay, um, ladies, I have one last question. Are your services covered by insurance? No. Well, actually, that's not true. Yes, they are. Um, not over here, you, at least. I'll say not in Albany. Not, not okay. So, So here's the thing. Insurance companies are nationwide, um, and there are insurance companies now. They are not covered up front. However, Mm -hmm. insurance reimbursement is available from a lot of insurance companies. Um, All of us are able to get provider numbers, and you can provide the client with, it's called a super bill, and you provide the the client with a super bill, bill. It has insurance codes on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to know what codes to actually use to get the insurance companies to reimburse. Um, but I lived in Florida, which is where I started my doula practice, and that now I live in Georgia. And um, the insurance codes are the same. You know, you can get the codes for your state, and you can offer a super bill. Um, and some insurance companies do reimburse. Typically, the ones that reimburse, reimburse half of your fee. Um, And then there are some that have not yet progressed to the level of realizing how much money doulas actually save their company. Um, Doulas save insurance companies millions of dollars over the span of years. Um, And the reason for that is because using a doula decreases your risk of interventions. Uh And the more you decrease the risk of decreased interventions, the more money you save. Every intervention leads to another one, which leads to another one, Mm -hmm. which leads to another one, typically leads to longer hospital stays. Almost a large percentage of the time, it leads to cesarean section, which is a very expensive operation Mm -hmm. um, and a very expensive recovery also. The mom has to stay in the hospital longer. Um, Some companies will say no to the first request for reimbursement 
And if clients are willing to kind of be the fly in the ointment and be the squeaky wheel, they can send statistics to their insurance company and say, hey, I wish you would take a closer look at this. You know, I had a vaginal birth. I left the hospital within 24 hours. I saved your company tons of money by having a doula. Um, mm-hmm. And I have had people get reimbursed. Also, people who have um, health savings accounts, that is covered completely by health savings accounts. And it is paid in full. Yes. So there is a way to get reimbursements. Um, it's really important for doulas to be part of a collective and to have other doula sisters that are more experienced and that have, you know, lots of time under their belt because we help each other to figure out other ways to help our moms. And um, one of the ways we definitely do that is by getting them some financial reimbursement. So I I've, I've asked, uh, like, like I said, I'm still – I'm I'm way less experienced than you are, but I've asked in my area about it, and I've I've never heard that there's insurance over here that does that. So I definitely oh. like the more information about it. Yes. Okay, ladies, hey, if you I'm, I'm going to um I'm going to go ahead and end this recording and um okay. then leave you then you, you guys can uh, we can all chat a little longer and you guys can exchange maybe information and that kind of thing. So. Uh, I would love that. Support with each other in the future. All right, hang on just one second.